Alright everyone, welcome to Bible Baptist Church. Excited to see everybody this week. Please turn your hymn books to number six. We'll all stand together, sing as loud as we can. I sing the mighty power of God. Stand with me if you can. We'll sing all three verses, singing the wonderful power of our Lord Savior. Thank you. 
more about Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right, Pastor, will you come up, come up for us? Okay, just a few things on announcements. As I mentioned, we've crossed a couple of them off already now that we've got through Thanksgiving. And prayerfully, everyone had a good Thanksgiving, had a good, uh, uh, hopefully, family or friend get-together and enjoyed yourselves. I know we did. Of course, as usual, we ate too much, especially of the sweet stuff. Um, but it was, it was good, good time of fellowship with friends and family. So... Um, coming up next, December 3rd, is the Elliot's, um, call it Christmas get-together, Christmas party, open house. Um, so that is a Saturday, if I recall correctly, 12 to 3. Should have wrote Saturday on there. So um, the ladies are going earlier that day to a craft fair at Mount View, which is right over here in Thorndike. And then after that, heading over to the Elliot's, um, they'll have some... Uh, some food uh, goodies prepared and uh, be a good time. So that's 12 o'clock in the afternoon till 3 in the afternoon roughly. Um, also on the topic of the Elliots, we'll see Brother Elliot some more, but I think this is the last Sunday that he's going to be here before going to Florida. So he'll be there for this third, and then he'll be here on a Wednesday in December, but then uh, he'll be him and his family after that. You guys will be here for one or two more Sundays, I think. Yeah, two more Sundays. Fifteenth, they head out. That's a Friday, Thursday. So, just uh, make sure that you spend a little time with them and enjoy the ladies' company the next couple weeks and Brother Elliot's today, and and we'll see him again on a Wednesday. But um, just make sure you let them know we love them and we're going to miss them and uh, we're thankful for them. So, um, just wanted to mention that so everybody make sure they get to say goodbye if you don't get to see them again. Uh, before they come back next year. Also, what's that? Come visit down in Florida. Yeah, they got a nice place and a nice area there in Port Orange. Uh, it's beautiful down there. It'll be warmer this winter down there than it is up here. So if you want to break from the cold and the snow and the ice and all that fun stuff, it's a great opportunity to, to do that. So absolutely. Also, Monday, December 12th, that is going to be the ladies' Christmas party. Um, that'll be here, 6 p.m., so if you're a lady and you can and want to be here, uh, plan on being here, it'll be a good time. Also, the 18th of December, um, that's a Sunday, we'll do our big Christmas meal, so kind of like Thanksgiving, the biggest difference is we swap the turkey for a ham, so yeah. that's about the difference. Uh, so that'll be a good time, it always is. Uh, we'll, I don't think we have a sign-up sheet out for that, but we'll have to get that ASAP so we can uh, have folks start signing up for that. The 21st of December, that's our Wednesday night before Christmas, we'll do candlelight service and uh, cookie decorating early before the service that night like we did last year. Um, so that'll be a good time. And then the 25th, this year Christmas is on a Sunday, so that always, you know, kind of makes things challenging. So um, what we're going to do is just a 10.30 a.m. service for those who can be here. Uh, I know some folks might be traveling. Uh, or whatnot, but if you're in the area, we'd love to have you here 10.30 a.m. that day. Um, we won't do lunch because I suspect a lot of folks will have lunch plans already with family, um, but uh, that's what we'll do that day. And then on the 31st, that's last day of this year, we're going to do a New, Year Eve, New Year's Eve get-together. So pizza, snacks, games, and uh, we'll stay as long as folks want to. You know, we'll we can do it overnight and see the next year, or we can just do it for a couple hours and go home for the nights, whatever whatever folks want to do. But we'll play 
you know, board games and stuff like that. We'll have snacks, and then, of course, we'll get some pizza. So that'll be a good time, too. So we have several things planned for the next, for I guess, basically the next month. We're almost the end of November. Uh, but prayerfully, just be a good time. Uh, and encourage, you know, friendships and relationships to continue to grow with our church family and, um, you know, just be a lot of fun. So, all right. That's all I have for announcements, I think. So, ushers, come on down, if you would. Caleb, can you pray for the offering? God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Bless the offering, Lord, and uh, bless up the pastor's seat to our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. can please turn your hymn books to 115 living for jesus amen i pray that be so that we live for jesus every day every hour every minute every second living for jesus amen
may be seated. All right, we'll have Pat come up. Continue, get back to Ephesians. We have this is the uh, second to last, I guess you would say. We'll have one more after this uh, of the seven ones. This week is the one baptism we'll talk about. One baptism. Oh, one more thing I did want to, well, two things I wanted to mention before we get started. One, Brother Joe is home, so that's a blessing. Um, he is doing better. He's been sleeping quite a bit. Um, I'm sure he's tired because he went quite a while there without sleeping. Um, but he's, he's back home. Seems like the infection is cleared up enough that he's, he's doing quite a bit better. So prayerfully, this week will be a good recovery week for him, and maybe they can be back in church next Sunday. Um, so prayerfully that will be the case. And then also um, earlier in the week we did get the applications into Jehovah Jireh application, I guess. I sent two, one by email and one by snail mail, so that's why I say applications. But same thing, just copies of, uh, just another copy of it all. So I haven't heard back from them yet, but prayerfully, you know, the beginning of the week I'm sure they'll be open back up and they'll, they'll uh, start processing and looking at that and like I say, sometime in January we should hear back from them. But I tell you that just to ask you to keep it in prayer that the Lord will use it and bless and we'll see, you know, some, some help there uh, towards our building project. So, all right, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Let's go ahead and stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Uh, I'll pray after we read these, we'll be seated. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the time we can come together, we can assemble, we can worship you and praise you, study your word together. Lord, I just pray that our time today, all of it thus far, and the time that we will have in the time ahead here, Lord, I just pray you'd be pleased that you would be present with us that you'd lead and guide the day. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today and help me, Father, to say that which you want said and to go to the scriptures you want gone to, that uh, you can get your message across. Lord, I just pray that in all of it you'd be pleased, magnified, and glorified. And Father, we thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for your Son and the sacrifice that he made for us. And thank you that we have the privilege of living for you, as we just sung about a few moments ago. 
And Lord, what a privilege and honor it is. And thank you that as we also sang in that song, you gave yourself for us, for me. And now we have the privilege of giving ourselves back to you. And I pray, Lord, we'd be faithful to do just that. I pray you bless our time. And we ask you and praise you and thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So in our passage here, we the second to last one is one baptism. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today is baptism. Probably something that folks, some folks, maybe many of you are, are quite familiar with. Maybe it's something that you're not real familiar with and it will be a help to understand a little more about uh, what baptism is, why we do it, how we do it, all those kind of things. So um, to get a full grasp on it, we are going to be in Acts a fair amount. Um, and you know, in all honesty, this isn't an exhaustive study on the doctrine of baptism. I know I've shared this before, but the picture that hangs on the back wall there of Daniel Merrill, he was a congregational preacher, college for training pastors and missionaries in Sedgwick, Maine, which later moved to Waterville, became Colby College, and there were many preachers and, and missionaries that were sent out of there. Um, Adoniram Judson went through there, one of the first graduates in Waterville, uh, it was called Waterville College at the time, one of the first graduates, George Dana Boardman, went over to Burma with Adoniram Judson. And uh, he wasn't there terribly long before he got sick and would pass away, but um, there were several folks that he had led to Christ that wanted to be baptized, and he wasn't healthy enough to go to the baptism on his own, so uh, he wanted to see it. They wanted him there, so they actually carried him miles through the woods on a wooden, uh, basically a, uh, what would you call it there? Stretcher, there we go. And they propped it up against a tree so that he could see as they baptized uh, the folks there. And uh, sad, but also quite the testimony of someone who really loved God and lived for God. So um, he graduated right there. His, his dad pastored in New Sharon, Maine. His dad's buried there in New Sharon. Uh, it's just neat, the history we have here in the state of Maine. But anyways, Daniel Merrill, as a con congregational preacher, was challenged by some of his students on baptism because they practiced uh, pedo-baptism or sprinkling of infants and um, <clears throat> So they challenged him on that, and they said, we haven't been able to find it in the Bible where, where, they, where we would show someone from the Bible why we sprinkle and why we baptized infants. And uh, Daniel Merrill couldn't give him an answer off the cuff either. So he says, well, I'll study it, and then I'll show you. So he embarked on a two-year study on the doctrine of baptism, um, and then he preached, I can't remember if it was a seven or an eight-part sermon series, on the doctrine of baptism. And after that, he had already had several Baptist preachers arranged to come up and they baptized him. That's what that picture is right there. And most of his congregation all joined him after he preached that series. And they organized the first Baptist church of Sedgwick, Maine. So just kind of kind of neat. And uh, yeah, so it's quite, quite the story and it's pretty impressive. But I say all that to say, I'm gonna preach probably a 30-minute message on baptism. So when I said that this isn't an exhaustive study, it's not an exhaustive study. You know, it's scratching the surface of all we could talk about and study on the doctrine of baptism, but it will hopefully be enough to give us a, a working understanding of this, uh, of this doctrine. So turn with me over to Acts chapter number 8. 
Acts chapter number 8. It's a well-known passage, uh, and it's often used to help us understand some things about baptism. It doesn't have all the doctrine of baptism explained here. And if you remember from the past, we talked about the book of Acts being a transitional book. So while we can learn a lot about the church and about different things in the book of Acts, we want to be careful about establishing too strong of doctrines in, on, in church doctrine on the book of Acts because there are things there uh, that we don't necessarily do now because it was first century when the apostles were still here on this earth. They were doing things that we don't do. We don't have the power, the authority to do. So there are some things that we, uh, we want to be careful about. But this is a pretty good passage for the doctrine of baptism. So in Acts chapter 8, verse number 38, if you look there, it says, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the mode of baptism, or the method of baptism. How do we baptize? I already mentioned pedo-baptism, or sprinkling, and how it's not in the Bible. Uh, I can tell you one of the reasons that are used to try to say that it is, or it's, I guess it's a combination of a couple reasons. One, if you believe that a baby who dies would go to hell, then that's part of their reasoning. The other part of their reasoning is the belief that baptism saves and that you have to baptize to wash away sins. Um, so when you put those two things together, you come up with, well, if a baby's going to die and it's going to go to hell then we, and baptism saves, well, then if we baptize the baby, then the baby gets to go to heaven. So logically, they're, they're washing away original sin is the mindset behind it. Logically, you can see how someone could come to that conclusion. Biblically, it's, you can't. You can't because there's no example of anyone getting baptized except for one particular group, which we'll identify here in a little while, uh, but we can see if we try to put all these different pieces together and we come to some wrong biblical conclusions, like for instance that baptism saves, which it doesn't, faith saves, not baptism, well Christ saves through faith, not baptism, uh, but um, you know you can see how someone could come to those wrong conclusions. So. We'll hopefully see enough scripture to help us here. So we just read that verse, verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Notice the key phrase there, they went down into the water. Uh, they, so both of them, entered into the water. They didn't stand on the shore. I saw a picture years ago of... Uh, John the Baptist baptizing in the Jordan and he's standing there and other guys standing next to him and they're about knee deep and he's got a big bowl and he's scooping and pouring and scooping and pouring. That's not how it happens. In fact, originally, with, even with infant baptism, the Catholics and some Protestants still do baptize infants by immersion. They dunk them in the water. But they found that that sometimes had bad consequences, you know, when babies weren't making it, so uh, not all of them, but some of them, you know, would, would have problems. So that's when sprinkling came about to try to, but we don't have it in the Bible. So we want this to be our sole authority. Right. So if this is our sole authority, then we have to base everything we believe and everything we do off of this. 
which, you know, we've talked about. This is God's word. And if we believe that he's preserved his word, then we believe that what I have right here is what God wants me to know. And if this is what he wants me to know, and he wants me to know it, A, so I can know him, but B, so I can know how to live and, to, and what to do so that he's pleased, and we want to base everything off of this, well then, my logic or my reasoning can't trump what God has said. And if I think something and it's wrong, we'll talk about that this afternoon. If I think something that doesn't line up biblically, then I need to change my thinking to line up with this book, not try to make this book line up with my thinking. And we get a lot of false doctrine because that happens sometimes. So they went down into the water for the purpose of baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch. It was, uh, I already said, it was they that went down in. Why did they both need to go down in? If, if all he was doing was getting a, a vessel of water, then Philip could have gone down in and, and the eunuch could have stood on the shore. He didn't need to go in with them. But they both went down in, and there's a reason for that. Acts 8.39, the next verse in this passage says, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So not only did they go down into the water, but they had to come up out of the water uh, because, well, they were down in the water. The word baptize, I'm not big on Greek, but the word baptize comes from a Greek word. It originated as a Greek word. The word was baptizo, and that word means to make whelmed, to immerse, it means to make fully wet. That's what the word means. It's all pretty much the same thing, just different ways of explaining that same word. It means to immerse in deep water. That's what it means. That's why they went down in and they came up out. Matthew chapter 3, if we hold your place in Acts, because we are going to go back there, but in Matthew chapter number 3, Matthew chapter number 3, in verses 13 to 17, this is when Christ was baptized. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Key there, descending like a dove, not a dove descending, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, don't turn out of Matthew 3 yet. Uh, but we see that Jesus came up out of the water. Why did he do that? Well, because first he went down into the water. Why did he do that? Because baptism was by immersion. Um, in Matthew 3, 5, and 6, it says, then went, out to him, uh, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Who'd they go to? John the Baptist. And were baptized him of him in Jordan, confessing their sin. So, Different baptism, this was, you know, the baptism of John is different than the baptism that we practice. I'm not going to get into all that today, but uh, there was a difference there. So, <clears throat> he was baptizing in Jordan. 
in the Jordan River, not beside it, which he could have done if all he needed was a, a vessel. He could have had someone standing down there in the river. They could have had an assembly line just passing up bowls or cups or whatever of water, but he didn't. What did he do? He was down in the river. People were coming into the river to be baptized in the river by immersion. Method was the same. Mode was the same. All right, so we get the idea. I don't think we need to labor on it too much, but um, baptism is by immersion. There's another reason for it. It's a picture. And I'm going to talk about that in a few moments as to the why we baptize. But it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Christ went into the tomb for three days, and he came up out of the tomb. You can't get that picture if you're not immersing and then bringing back up. It's a picture of that death, the falling back, the burial into the water, under the water, and then the resurrection up out of the water. It's a picture. And we'll talk more about that in a little while, but you don't get that picture without, uh, without the immersion. So the subject of baptism. So we understand the mode. It's in water in deep water. It's by immersion so that we're fully wet, uh, ideally from head to toe. I've had a couple times where I baptize someone and, and go down so quick and I notice that they're not all in, so I'm kind of push them down in, make sure they get fully wet. Now, I'm not saying their baptism wouldn't be valid otherwise, but you know, I'm like, oh, get them a little deeper in there. When we baptized Fred years ago, he was a pretty big guy in this tank, and he was, we have this, uh, uh, yeah, it's like a trough. It's like a cattle trough. And uh, it's a cattle waterer is what it is. You fill it up, and we fill it up. Got a heater for it. So it's nice and warm and uh, <laughs> baptizing. We did it over here with a tarp down under there. And uh, when I baptized Ed, uh, Fred, he was pretty uh, buoyant, I guess, in that tank. So I put him down in there, and I noticed like he's like this. And about this much of him still not under there. So I kind of push him down in, but I wanted to be gentle. I didn't want to go and have it, you know, all over the floor. So gently just kind of push him down and then pull him back up. And he was good, but <laughs> it was fine. Oh, boy. So anyways, yes, baptism, fully wet, immersed. That's what we shoot for. But All right, so the subject of baptism, who's baptized? We have the mode in water, in deep water, fully immersed, fully wet, uh, so who gets baptized? Well, back in Acts chapter 8, verse number 12, says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So what do we notice was the precursor that took place before they were baptized. They believed. They believed. That was the, that was the, uh, the requirement or the prerequisite for baptism. In the same chapter, verses 26 to 39, goes along with what we already kind of were reading about the Ethiopian eunuch and him and Philip going down into the water. Beginning in verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, which is Isaiah, the prophet. 
Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. We know that's speaking about Jesus Christ. Uh, over in Isaiah chapter 53, I was going to say we read there this morning. We may go look at that here in a moment. But All right, verse 30, uh, 35. Nope, verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So Philip took this Isaiah 53 passage, which was Old Testament, before Christ was born on the earth. And as the Ethiopian eunuch's reading this, he's not understanding it. Philip comes along and he takes that scripture and he preaches unto him Jesus. If we look over to Isaiah 53, but don't lose your place in Acts 8 because we're going right back there. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 11, it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Christ was specifically not made to be a particularly attractive person. You know, he wasn't, God chose not to make him so attractive that everyone would want to go hang around him because he was such a good-looking guy. He was, he was not a particularly good-looking guy. Now, was he ugly and unkept? Probably not, but I don't know. I mean, he wasn't living the high life. He was living, you know, in other people's houses and, and uh, camping out in the wilderness. So he was probably uh, just an average guy in that time. Uh, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. He was that, a man of sorrows. He was that as well, and acquainted with grief. And we did as it were our face, hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Not with our own stripes. He took our stripes upon himself so that we could be saved. Verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one unto his own way everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. We saw that when he was brought before Herod and when he was brought before Pilate. He didn't defend himself. He had done nothing wrong, but he was as a sheep dumb, just means he didn't speak. He chose not to defend himself. Why? Because what was taking place 
was what had been prophesied, was what was necessary for our iniquities, the iniquities of all mankind, to be laid upon his shoulder. He had to suffer the death of the cross. So uh, that's why he didn't speak. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many." for he shall bear their iniquities. We talked a little bit about us being justified in Sunday school. Christ justified many by taking our iniquities upon himself. So that's what Philip, that's the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, and Philip comes along and he's explaining to him how what he's reading in Isaiah 53 is about Christ. And he's explaining to him what I kind of just briefly pointed out, that the one that was bruised, the one whose stripes made it so we could be healed, the one who took the iniquities of us all upon himself, that was all Jesus. And he's explaining this to the Ethiopian eunuch so that he could understand what it's about. Uh, where are we here? Acts 8, verse 36. That's where we'll pick up. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Hey, we've come up to a body of water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So, what qualified this Ethiopian eunuch to be baptized? Well, Philip gave him the, the question, the precursor, or the pre-qualifying question. Before he would baptize him, he asked him, or he told him, If thou believest, thou mayest. That's what's necessary for baptism. He had to be saved first. Not through baptism, but before baptism, he had to have expressed or placed, rather, his faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. His response was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That was sufficient. That's all he had to do. Philip said, all right, stop, and we'll go down into the water, and you'll get baptized. That's what was necessary. So, baptism is not necessary for salvation. It is because of salvation. It is an act of obedience to God as a result of us getting saved, as a result of us trusting Christ as our Savior. Um, in John chapter 3, sometimes this passage is used to say, uh, well, this says that we are ba or we're baptized as part of salvation. John, yeah. And uh, it's not at all, so we'll just kind of quickly look at this. In John chapter 3, the first seven verses, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. <clears throat> Actually, I'll just say quickly, this passage doesn't even speak about baptism, 
but there are some who use it to say, see here, I'll explain it as we go. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So, <clears throat> some will say, see, it says you've got to be born of the water. That's baptism. Well, nowhere in this passage does it reference baptism, and, but what it is referencing is two births. One is a natural birth, or it's a birth of the flesh, and one is a spiritual birth that takes place outside of our abilities, and it is in God's abilities, being born of the Spirit. So there's two different births. The first birth, the physical birth, being born of the water, what happens right before a woman gives birth to a child? Her water breaks, right? We're born, we, we live in the womb, we grow in the womb, being surrounded by ambiotic fluid or water, and that is what carries us out. That's part of that first birth experience, that natural birth experience. The spiritual birth takes place when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior over in Ephesians. We are quickened and made, brought to life, made new, brought to life. Uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we're brought to life. Uh, that's the spiritual birth. It happens through the work of the Holy Ghost. So we have the natural birth and we have the spiritual birth. Very simple uh, explanation. And study it more later if you want to, or we can talk about it more later, but um, without taking a lot of time, it makes sense to me that Nicodemus is asking, how can a man be born again? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, that's, what's, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's the context. That's what's being talked about. We're not talking about baptism. We're talking about the first birth. Christ is saying, you've got to have the first birth to have the second birth. You've got to have them both. The second birth is spiritual, the first birth is natural. It's physical. It takes place when you are born. Uh, anyways, we could keep going. We won't keep going through other passages, but we get the idea. How, why are we baptized? Well, because we believe. Because we've placed our, or that's who is baptized, those who believe. Um, so then the reason for baptism, why do we get baptized? Well, Mark, if you will, turn over to Mark chapter number 1. We're going to read 9 to 11, so just a few verses here. Mark chapter number 1. It says, and it came to pass, this is verse 9, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, why get baptized? Well, one reason is to follow the example of Christ. Uh, Christ was baptized. And that was, 
uh, as an example to us, I believe. Um, so we get baptized partially to follow in Christ's example. We've believed on him. Part of the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. It fulfills the piece of the Great Commission, uh, which is in obedience to Christ. It's, so that's the second point, is it's an act of obedience. So not only for us to just follow his example, but also to obey his command. That those who get saved, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That first teach all nations is the gospel. Teach them about Christ, who he is, what he's done for them, so that when they believe, you can baptize them. And then it says, teaching them to observe all things. Then we disciple them and teach them how to live for Christ. But before they can learn how to live for Christ, they first have to have believed on Christ. Uh, so that's the first step, and then baptism, and then we live for Christ. So, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We studied this one a while back. <clears throat> Remember, this is to the Jews. We do have the gospel in this passage, but this was all to Jews, so part of it's not necessarily to us as Gentile believers. But in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, it's an act of obedience. There they were told to be baptized in the Great Commission. They're told to, be, to baptize those who believe. So, we see this as a command and as something that we are to do. Um, in Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn there, uh, but after Paul and Silas were in prison, Acts 16, verses 25 to 34, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, excuse me, supposing the prisoners had been fled. He knew that falling on his own sword was be, would be an easier death than what was going to come if he, they all found out that the prisoners all escaped under his watch. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them with the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. They believed, and then they were baptized. It was an act of obedience. Every time we see people getting saved, we see people getting baptized. Uh, it just happens over and over again. So, uh, does this mean baptism is necessary for salvation? No. We just That was actually based off the of Acts 2.38. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, you can turn there if you want. It's a good passage. We just saw it there. They were believed and then were baptized. Uh, but in Romans 10, here's a good couple verses for us to remember, 9, 10, 13. 
It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No mention of baptism in there. And time and time again, that's the case. No mention of baptism. All right, we're almost done here. We, we read this verse in Sunday school, but John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What did they do to become his, the son of God? They believed. They received. They accepted the truth. They received Christ as their Savior through belief on him, through their faith in him. It is for identification. It's an outward picture that is done publicly to show those witnessing it what has happened internally. So when we get saved, sometimes people get saved in their bedroom when they're all by themselves. Years ago, we had a young man named Andrew who was a college student. He came here for a year and a half before he trusted Christ as his Savior. And I, multiple times he raised his hand for salvation. And we'd go next door and we'd sit and I'd give him the gospel and I'd answer his questions. And I'd say, are you ready, Andrew, to get saved? And he'd say, no, not yet, Pastor. He says, but I'm going to keep coming and keep learning. He said, I want to, but I want it to be real. I want to genuinely believe. I don't want to just do it to make you happy. Or there was a girl that was, she originally had invited him. Uh, he didn't want to do it to make her happy. He wanted it to be him that believed, not just going through the motion. So we did this for about a year, year and a half. And then one Monday he called me and said, Pastor, I said, yes, and he said, I wanted to let you know I was laying in my bed last night, and it just became so clear to me. He said, it was like God just opened my eyes that everything you've been saying, uh, one of our missionaries, A.J. Harold, had preached a message that really got a hold of his heart. He said that Pastor A.J. preached, and that others, have, he said, it just, it was like it all came together for me, and I knew it was true, and I believed, and he said, and I prayed and trusted Christ as my Savior. And, uh, well, the girl that started bringing him to church is now his wife, and they live in Texas and serve the Lord faithfully in a church, and um, it was just a blessing. But uh, we saw God really change his life, and uh, it was just so neat to see. And it took time, even after he got saved, you know, it took time. And he's grown and changed a lot since he's gone to Texas. But he'd come here, if he came here today, he would probably tell you that we through teaching him the Bible and through loving him, saved his life because he was just not on a good track and had had multiple family members take their own life and was just in a dark place. And he'd tell you, every time he'd come, I just, breaks my heart. Just, I mean, it warms my heart, but uh, I just can't help but start crying. You know, he just is so grateful for the investment made in his life and for what God has done for him. It's just a blessing. So, uh, so it's a picture, a picture of identification. Romans chapter number six. I don't remember how I got there on Andrew, but anyways. Romans chapter number six, verses four and five. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So one day there is a 
physical resurrection coming to all those who believed in Christ. Uh, if we've if we've passed away before Christ raptures the the church, well then we'll be our bodies will be resurrected out of the ground, and it'll be made new. We'll have uh, glorified bodies. If we're alive, well then we'll follow those that already passed away, and we'll be taken up whole like this, but still be changed and given a glorified body, uh, an eternal body, an incorruptible body. So that's a something we have to look forward to. But baptism here on the earth, as I already said earlier, it pictures. When we get saved inwardly, spiritually, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We've been made new. We've been spiritually resurrected. Well, it's a picture to those who are witnessing the, the baptism that we're showing them publicly. We're, we're testifying of what God has done in us. And it's that physical picture. And then lastly, it's a prerequisite to becoming a member of a church. In Acts 2.41, it says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So it is part of that process or part of what needs to take place before someone joins a church. They need to be saved and then baptized. So conclusion. You know, the Bible has multiple accounts of baptism. Um, interestingly, there are, is... The Bible does have more than one baptism. There was John's baptism, which I think it's in Acts chapter number 19. There's some men that had had John's baptism, but they hadn't actually gotten saved. And they lead them to Christ, and then they baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. So uh, there's, there's that instance. So we have John's baptism, which was the baptism of repentance. We saw there in Acts 2.38. Um, there's also the Holy Spirit baptism. Um, there, I read a passage when I was studying for this where the Bible talks about they were all baptized unto Moses in the river, and I was like, oh, I didn't remember that one. Uh, so, you know, there are other baptisms mentioned. Well, the word baptize simply means to immerse, right? It means fully wet. But for us, in our time that we live in, in the church dispensation or the church age, it's believer's baptism. That's what we have. And that letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 4, where we read the one baptism, I believe that's talking about the water baptism, which identifies us with Christ, and again, it is the prerequisite to being a member of the church, which was necessary for them to have church unity. Uh, you know, they had to be baptized, and then they had to be a part there, and it's part of the authority at which they were submitting themselves to. So, anyways, that one baptism, it's believer's baptism, that's what we call it or Bible baptism. Um, we practice believer's baptism. When someone's saved, they, they can be baptized. And uh, it's been a little while since we've had a baptism. I think Andrew might have been the last one. I think it was Andrew. But I was hoping Jesse would be here today to be able to hear the message that maybe it would help him you know, be ready for that. So, uh, but we had a lot of them there a year and a half or so ago, two years ago. Um, so we'll have more, I'm sure of it. You know, There'll be several more in the future, I'm sure. I know Miss Alberta wants to get baptized in the lake, so this next summer, we got to get after it early. Uh, and I, I know Lexi wants to get baptized too, so it'll be another one that we'll be able to do. So, and then prayerfully Jesse and maybe Tim Lovely. He's only come the one time. Maybe he'll start coming more consistently, and and uh, we'll be able to baptize him. So, there'll be there'll be more to come. So it's exciting, but. Uh, Anyways, so that's what I have for today, the doctrine of baptism. Hopefully we got, I know I said we just scratched the surface.
prayerfully we got enough to have a working understanding of it. And uh, prayerfully it will be a help to us. But let's go ahead and pray, and we can dismiss for lunch. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that when there are doctrines that we need to know and understand, we can find the answers that we need to understand them in your word. And Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that today we got enough information, enough Bible, that it helps us to have a biblical uh, understanding of what baptism is, of how it's to take place, of who's to be baptized, why we're to be baptized. Uh, all those things prayerfully will be a help to us. And Lord, I pray that if there are some who need to be baptized in the future, that this answers questions uh, that will just help uh, understand all those things. Lord, how, why, and who. And Lord, I pray we'd get to see many more baptized in the future, that we would see many more trust you as their Savior first, so that we have the privilege of doing that. I pray you'd add to the church, that you'd help us to grow both in grace and in wisdom and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray you'd help us to grow. And Father, we pray that you do a work in each and every one of us. Before we close the prayer this morning, I know it wasn't a salvation message, but is there anyone here that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm not. Uh, I can't say that I have ever trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I can't say that by faith I've ever believed on Him and know that one day I'm going to spend eternity with Him. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand? pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for each person that's here. Thank you for the ladies next door working uh, with the junior church and in nursery, and I think at least one's over there wrapping up lunch. Lord, I just thank you for the work that goes in there. I thank you for everybody being here and being a part of the services today, and I pray, uh, Lord, that you've helped us uh, through them. Lord, I just ask that you would bless the food to our bodies, bless the fellowship next door, be with Brother Joe, continue to help him to feel better and to get stronger. I also pray for Brother Faggart and recovery from his surgery and the stroke that he had. Lord, I just pray you'd help him to, to get strong and to make a full recovery. And Lord, I'd say quick, but I know it likely will take time. But Lord, we just pray that he'd recover in your time and that it would be a full recovery, that he would be uh, cancer-free and have no remaining uh, effects from the surgery, the cancer, or the stroke. Lord, I just pray you'd strengthen him, that you'd help him. Lord, I pray for our church family, that you'd help us to grow in our walk and in our relationship with you. And Lord, I pray you'd bring more people, Lord, that need to know you, that want to know you, and that want to be a part of our church, that can come and be loved on, and we can all grow together. Lord, I pray you do it. And Father, we love you, we praise you, and thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.